You're listening to 50 Plus a Tip, the show for strippers, ethical sluts, and other open-minded whores. Hi, lovelies. Welcome back to 50 Plus a Tip. I'm your host, Danica. This week, we have the pleasure of sitting down with the dynamic duo behind Come Curious and host of the award-winning Fox Given podcast, Reed Amber and Florence Bark. Reed is a sex educator and presenter who has been in the adult entertainment industry for over 10 years, both behind and in front of the camera. Reed worked as an ethical porn director and is now an advocate for sex workers' rights. She has been a regular guest on the BBC Tricky podcast for kinks, fetishes, and sex work, as well as MTV News discussing pleasure and sexuality. Reed has also been featured on Google Box and was a part of the Channel 4's How to Make It on OnlyFans documentary in 2021. Reed continues to speak about stigmatizing sex, mental health, and how to make her audience feel more comfortable in their bodies by vlogging and sharing unfiltered, authentic content across her platforms. And across the mic from Reed, we have Florence. Florence Bark is a content creator and sex and relationship expert who speaks to millennials and young people with honesty and humor. Using her own experience as often painful gold, her expansive multidisciplinary work cuts to the heart of what it means to live in pursuit of a genuinely fulfilling and growth-inspiring love and sex life. Florence also hosts her own podcast called How to Heal Heartbreak, where she works through her own healing journey and explores why we're all so obsessed with love and what we culturally expect love to, in quotes, fix in us as individuals. For more of Florence and Reed, check out their podcast, Fucks Given, where they explore everything from polyamory and fetishes to STIs and having difficult conversations with your partner. We had so much fun sitting down with these two, and you guys are absolutely going to love them. So here you go. Welcome to 50 Plus a Tip. Thank you so much for joining us. We've been very excited to have you both on and hear your stories. I had such a pleasure being on your podcast, so it's nice to uh, switch roles and have you on ours now. Hey, it's thanks really, for having us. Yeah, it's really lovely to be on your podcast. Like, you guys are amazing. So, firstly, how did you two powerhouses meet? Well, oh, that's an interesting story. Yeah, our origin story starts, <laughs> starts maybe eight or nine years ago um, when we were both young, aspiring female porn, porn directors and we met mm-hmm. each other on set. Um, of a porn company, a dodgy porn company, might I add. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty dodgy. Very yeah. like maybe money laundering, bit of a mm. brothel vibe. <laughs> yeah, not acceptable. But as as many silver linings go, we found each other through that horrible shit. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Reed had a spare room, and I moved into it, and we just we just got on and so spoke about sex all of the time which is kind of what inspired us like working together on come curious getting the conversation out there when it comes to everything sex because we just like we were just normalizing shit for each other like everything about sex that we had hang-ups up like about when we were teenagers it was very beautiful yeah beautiful and very awakening and both Florence and I have sort of film and, and television degrees at uni and we were just like well why don't we talk about this sex stuff and actually film it and put it online and and then we created a, a YouTube channel that just exploded we never expected it to but just us talking mm-hmm. about sex um, which just goes to show the need for conversations revolving around sex and then yeah. Uh, from there, we have a uh, Fox Given podcast, and we've also done educational, educational, ethical porn. Um, yes, as directors porn directors too. as well. Yeah, which is Yay. 
Our dream came true. Yay. <laughs> I just want to kind of delve into that. What made you both decide that you wanted to get into porn directing? I think we both uh, have very different stories for this. Oh, really? I as thought it was well. just going to be like obsessed with porn, masturbating to porn all the fucking time. Yeah, that's not that wasn't me at all. I think when yeah. when I was younger, I when I w- watched porn, I didn't see anything that I liked, and I couldn't relate what I was watching to what sex actually felt like for me and what I kind of wanted to watch. And I was I I was at the at that point inspiring to be like a DOP like in cinema, and I loved watching mm. like really artistically shot things. And I was like, well, sex is art, so. Maybe if I could put that on camera, I can create like visually what sex feels like to me. So that's kind of why I wanted to get into porn was to to put something out there that maybe I would want to watch and hopefully other people, mainly women, to be honest. Mm. I mean, I just had a straight up porn addiction. I, I, I was obsessed <laughs> with it. Um, and working in the industry, I just, I just wanted to create more porn. I wanted to create stuff that was more fetishy, the stuff that I wanted to watch, but I was still very immersed into the, the commercial side of things. And it's only until we started creating ethical porn that we really realized how fucked up all of that was and how it needs to change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how going back to what you said earlier, just speaking to others, you're like, oh shit, I'm not alone. All these things yeah. that you made in your head were like, oh, this is just me. I'm so crazy or I'm weird. And then just having like one other person be like, oh, me too. It's like, yeah, oh, <laughs> like, but we are so like kind of accustomed to being this taboo thing in society that no one really talks about it, but we're all thinking or doing the same things, but no one knows it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I do relate to the idea, Florence, of the sex just not really translating to you that you see in porn how you're like it's not really where are the queefs and where are the you know the awkwardness and you know <laughs> where's all that in this yeah. porn yeah. yeah and also yeah all of those bits and also like the sensuality of it and like you know what touch actually feels like the sensations that are involved rather than just what it looks like yeah definitely like the emotion behind it for sure yeah yeah well, that's why we need VR porn, right? In these big full jumpsuits <laughs> to be able to feel. I want to oh feel God, porn. Dream. <laughs> a dream. I love the uh, the idea that like there's a porn for that. No matter what you're into, like there's a porn for that. Yes. Yeah. It's like rule is. 34. If if it exists, there is porn of it. Mm. <laughs> love that. So true. <laughs> like whenever whenever Riley and I do anything remotely someone would think is weird at a gig or the way like someone's into it like someone is into this someone will pay us (laughs) someone will pay us for this I had a I had one of those moments yesterday um where I was just filming my farts and farting on camera because someone had requested a custom video of me (laughs) farting and I was just like walking around filming my farts on camera just like what the fuck is my life this is so good (laughs) yeah Riley and I say to each other all the time we'll be like what is life we say like whenever there's a moment we're like we're looking at each other we're like how do we get here what is life yeah, who <laughs> am so I it was like a real step back moment it was like someone's paying me for me to fart on camera I'm so down 
it's so it's so amazing having work around sex because I think like sex is such like a pleasurable enjoyable thing and like to have that be the center of like income as well is just Mm -hmm. yeah it's really amazing so grateful for the space that we are in yeah it's our careers but I think that's because sex is part of our identity a lot of people sex isn't a part of their identity Mm. they don't relate to it they don't maybe enjoy it or they haven't had good experience with it but you know, we, we, we've been obsessed with it. We've created it and pushed forward for it to be our careers when I think we have to state, because a lot of people will listen to us and think, oh my God, sex is everything. I want to do sex work. I, I want to, you know, do a sex podcast, but it's, it's hard fucking work. It's just, that was our skill. That was our passion and what made us feel empowered. And therefore we put that into our work and it's, it's paid off. It doesn't always pay off, but we, yeah. I don't even want to say we got lucky. It's not luck. It's hard fucking work. We put a lot of work into mm-hmm. it. We all yeah, do. Doing what we do. Yeah. So let's uh, let's delve into the work a little bit. You two are the co-founders of Come Curious, your YouTube uh, channel. Can you explain a little bit about how it came to be, what you guys talk on it? I mean, you touched briefly on uh, why you decided to make it, but yeah, just give us its, uh, its origin story. <laughs> nice. It actually started with Tumblr. If anyone remembers when Tumblr was a yes, we're old. <laughs> my OG porn site. My yeah. OG porn site. Yeah. Oh my god, porn! Such a beautiful space, and now it's gone. They ruined it. Bullshit. Oh my god, when they took that ability to post like whatever you wanted on Tumblr down, like no sexually explicit content, that was so sad. Mm-hmm. I still get emails like your post has been removed sexually explicit. I'm like, oh yeah, you existed. You <laughs> fucked yourself. You fucked yourself so hard. Oh, it was so nice. Yeah, we started on Tumblr basically putting up like um, a Q&A. People would write us in questions and we would answer them in kind of like an agony aunt style. And then like alongside of that, we started creating videos, which were literally just conversations of us talking about loads of different sexual things like nipple play, anal sex, BDSM. Yeah, and we we just sit there and discuss because we had found like from just talking about sex ourselves outside of that, that it had made us feel so much more comfortable, confident, like okay with our bodies. And so that was kind of the inspiration for why why we really did it, wasn't it, Reed? Mm. I mean, we we honestly didn't think the videos were gonna go far. We just sort of were playing around, seeing what happens, and then the more we put up, the more people would be interested and comment and share. And there was a real turning point where we had a girl email us from over, I think somewhere in Europe, saying that Mm. she had been in an abusive relationship and really lost her sexuality. And finding our videos had really helped her get it back to the point where she felt like, you know, she could say to us that she didn't feel suicidal anymore, that it had changed her life that much. And that was like a real turning point of like, oh my, we're not just talking about sex online we're changing people's lives we're helping others to really connect with their own sexuality and 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 normalize all the stuff that we're told to feel shame about Um, Mm. so yeah we just carried on and it kind of kind of blew up Hmm. yeah it's crazy actually how important like sex and sexuality is to the rest of our lives as well and I think that's what people don't really understand and that's why it's such an important conversation Mm. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's it's funny how when you first start something, 
for most of us, we're like, oh, we'll start a silly little podcast. Or I'll start a silly little YouTube page and just like, you know, whoever listens, listens. And then you get those yeah. moments where like you've really touched someone's lives and you made a huge difference. And you're like, it's so like powerful and so humbling to know that you can like connect these people from all over the world on such like a powerful level. Um, yeah. It's really awesome. Yeah. So we're all doing the Lord's work is what I'm getting from this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I would like to see myself as a God. That would be nice. Thank you. <laughs> it's a narcissism. Yeah, like the God complex. Like, yes, please tell me more. Would you like to join my church? <laughs> Reed, I can guarantee that you have people out there that think you're a God. <laughs> I'll take it. That sounds delicious. I'm really into like religious role play as well. So, mm. Okay. Yes. Oh, nice. I love that. Uh, the guy I'm seeing whenever we meet someone, they're like, oh, my God, Danica. And they're like, they're like, whatever. He's like, oh, another cult member, the cult of Danica. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, can you say that in bed? Like, yeah. I just want you on your knees and being like, yes, like, my God. <laughs> Join your cult. Yes. Yes. That's literally okay, goals. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, I should totally run a cult. <laughs> I definitely get cult vibes for sure. <laughs> <laughs> So as we mentioned in the intro, you two also host the award-winning Fox Given podcast, which I had the pleasure of being on. It's such a good fucking podcast. You guys have reached over 2.5 million downloads, which is fucking awesome. Well, we hit 3 How million did... recently as well. Crazy. We need to update this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 3 million. That's fucking wild. That's awesome. And so well-deserved because it is such a good podcast. And everyone listening, go listen to it right now. Well, listen to this one first, then pop over there. Yeah, finish this one (laughs) and then... (laughs) Finish what you started, okay? Uh, So how did the podcast uh, come to be and how has that experience been for you guys? The, the podcast has been incredible. Um, mm. We it, That was something that took us by surprise. I mean, it made sense, us going from YouTubers and talking on video to talking to a microphone and... Um, talking about the same sort of situations but it meant that with the podcast we could broaden our experiences and invite guests in and have a more yeah. diverse um, conversation around a lot of sex mm-hmm. topics because again like Florence and I were only talking from two cis white privileged women um, and that's not the experience of sex for, for most people around the world um, so yeah, having the podcast was just that that almost exploded more than the YouTube channel. It uh, did. I feel like that was the turning point for yeah. us really. That's when people started like recogni- recognizing us in the street and yeah. like Yeah, that's when things blew up and I think we started taking ourselves more seriously, I think, because people started taking us more seriously like when the podcast started, we have a really, we had a really great PR team um mm-hmm. involved and we ended up in magazines and ended up on the Guardian weekend cover and all of these things. And I think that was all down to the podcast. And, you know, it all is about making the conversation around sex more comfortable. And I think the podcast makes that possible because we link up and we talk to so many different people of so many different professions from all over the world about sex. And the more people hear other people talking about sex, they're going to feel more comfortable in their own bodies so I feel like that's why it touched so many people. And it, it went from what was like a silly little like weekend in our own time messing around thing to something that was more professional. And you're right, we became 
um, a business. We were career people. And again, imposter syndrome still fucks us. It still creeps up and you're still telling yourself like, nah, not really anything. It's those moments where people come up to you in the street and they're like, oh my God, are you this person from Come Carry? I don't know why I said this person. I was going to say Reed. <laughs> this person. Are you this person? <laughs> um, he read from Come Curious and I'm like, yes, give me a cuddle. That's so nice. It, it, the imposter syndrome. Yeah, imposter syndrome is such a weird thing as well. I was on like a, a panel last night talking about sex and on my way there, I was just like, do I know what I'm talking about when it comes to sex? Like, yeah. who am I? I don't have an, like a degree in this. Mm-hmm. And like, do I really know what I'm talking about? And once I got there and like we started chatting, I was like, oh yeah, actually I've been doing this for eight years. Yeah. I've spoken yeah. a lot about sex in my life. I know what I'm talking about. I've had like, you know, I've been able to, I've had the pleasure of talking to so many people and learned so much from others from doing the podcast. We've made it our job to learn. We, we, we're so open about learning about everything and that still gets me is this oh it, this this is just our, our experiences we're not really professionals we don't have qualifications but I think it was when we saw a careers coach she was like you might be more qualified in talking about sex than some of the people out there that have qualifications I yeah. do not shit on yourself I was like okay yeah. uh, imposter syndrome can suck my dick <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I was gonna say, um, you know, I I get that a lot too. I mean, Danica has been in the sex work industry for, you know, eight years or so. I'm, you know, including COVID, which Mm -hmm. uh, everything was kind of shut down for. I've really Mm -hmm. only been in it full time since 2019. And so now I'm, you know, part of a podcast where I have to, you know, well, I give advice about sex work and sometimes I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So yeah. How was like the first kind of few years of that? Were you just kind of going, you know, through your experiences? Did you, was it a lot of research, you know, in the former years sort of before you blew up or was that sort of a change that you made along the way? It was all learned experience, I would say. Mm -hmm. I think everything that we spoke about, we kind of related it back to something that had happened to us in our lives or our sex lives. And like with the podcast as well, we were just being curious with everyone that we spoke to. So we would be listening to other people's stories and like have conversations and learn from what they told us as well. Yeah, try and make, try and have everything come from a non-judgmental point of view and just mm. learn and understand if it was something we didn't understand or something we disagreed with then ask more questions and find out why um yeah it was i think the first few years it was tough because it was going from something that was fun and that was a hobby but also took a lot of work and a lot of time and no financial return so florence and i were still working on the side and um you know this is why we started sex work it was it was part of the reason because well, webcamming is where we where we both started, allowed us to have the the schedules and the time that we needed for when other work wasn't coming in. I mean, I was I was also freelance, and it, and just being able to hop on when you like on and and do whatever you want sexually and feel good about it, and then talk about it with each other. There was a sense of community. I remember being so terrified the first time I went on webcam. But because we kind of did it together, it made it a lot more fun and, and a lot more yeah. dealable. Um, so, yeah, I mean, now Florence and I, we, we still we do the OnlyFans thing. Um, we're proud 
sex worker activists and um, attend protests and make sure that we have the same rights as we can do in in the UK because it's still still fucked up in the UK. It's still it's legal, but it's still got like really bizarre laws. So yeah, we're just trying to trying to spread the word about that and fight the good because yeah. like we, we we both love doing OnlyFans. We we love selling content. It's I, I mean, I I fucking love it. I mean, I just yeah. created a fart video yesterday, just for fun, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, we, we were talking about the other day how OnlyFans is kind of the return from all of the hard work that we've put in with Come Curious in the past because of the content that we do in there. It's always been sex related. We've been censored so much. Algorithms hate us mm-hmm. and we can't earn money like other platforms on YouTube it's been hard for us to get sponsorships and stuff like that because of the content that we do. So we put in all this free time basically like, and haven't been paid by come curious, but doing sex work and OnlyFans was, you know, a way to use the audience that we created and actually get an income from it as well. And it supports us to continue doing it today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a shame that even though you guys are so well represented, like represented and, you know, so knowledgeable about your craft that you're still being censored about it and still like not able to make money where you think, you know, as you said before, there's professionals with qualifications out there talking about sex who make money. But as soon as you, you know, make a profit on the actual thing, you're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's wild. So obviously we stalked you guys and looked at all your site bios <laughs> and in one of your site bios, uh, you state that in quote, we believe that being open and talking about sex will spread valuable knowledge and relieve some anxieties that surround the subject, which is something we talked about at the beginning and throughout this interview so far. What do you think mm-hmm. is the most common incorrect information people have about sex and or the most common anxieties you hear people have? Because I think people hearing other people having those anxieties might alleviate theirs a bit. I mean, dick yeah. size is one that forever comes up. Um, and I feel like it's taken a long time for us to to learn the tools to be able to talk about dick size. Uh, because it's not just dick size for men. Dick size for all genders comes up. Um, and it's hard for us as well, Florence and I, where, you know, talking about oh what size do you prefer and trying to be honest but without ostracizing hundreds of thousands of people out there um and we've we've nailed it it's really it's all about finding the key in the lock it's not about a big dick yes we can fetishize Mm -hmm. a big dick and we have been brainwashed to think we all want a big dick especially because of porn but it's about finding what works for you what fits what feels good you know fits like a glove um, yeah. I used to think I was a size queen and I've realized I'm not a size queen. I just get ripped apart and I get thrush all the fucking time. <laughs> and I, I don't like that. I want my perfect size dick. Um, and that's going to yeah. be different for every single person out there, whether that's a hungry pussy or a hungry bussy. 
Yeah, I think it is all like quite often about bodies. It's always about your bodily hangups and things that be- people feel uncomfortable about, like whether that's like nipple hair or vaginal discharge, not being wet enough. Mm-hmm. That's like something lube. that comes up loads. Oh my God, lube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, using lube, I think I'm learning about lube was such a game changer for me. And yeah. whenever, whenever I have the opportunity, I just want to tell people to use lube because... Oh my god! It just it just makes things so much less like I don't know the friction during sex and like there's no no pressure to get like super wet and I don't know about you but like when people are sexting and stuff and they're like oh yeah I can't wait are you super wet and like all of this and you're just like mm. actually bodies don't really work like that yeah this like, doesn't switch on like a fucking tab um yeah honestly it's the same with all sex workers out there like use lube it will change shit just make it part of your work part of your play Mm -hmm. part of like personal like everything because especially if you suffer from uh, yeast infections or utis or anything like that using lube so we found this out recently as well if you don't use lube even just solo using like vibrating toys or using toys can create micro tears in your vulva in your skin that more bacteria can grow into and create more of so yeah when I'm getting thrush all the time and I'm having sex with somebody and even though I think I'm turned on but I'm not or I'm not wet because for a multitude of different fucking reasons dehydration being hung over my fucking menstrual cycle making sure you have lube as part of that routine as part of your pleasure it will be so much more sexy and you're less likely to get fucking yeah. shit like thrush and bv i'd also say libido is something that people talk about a lot when it comes to sex like especially with partners that either have a lower libido or a higher libido libido mismatches and people just think that they should be having a certain amount of sex yeah and it puts a lot of pressure onto each partner mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of um kind of i think as well like all the kind of cosmopolitan magazines that have articles that are like oh how many times a week should you be having sex and there's a yeah. lots of like there's a lots of shoulds in a lot of that stuff and when it comes down to it it shouldn't be that we should just you know bodies are bodies everyone's so different and everyone's going to experience sex in a very very different way and libidos are different I don't know about you but I feel like most of my female friends have a higher libido than their male partners Mm -hmm. and that's like such a huge myth that we kind of talk through media, everything. Men want sex all the time. And from my experience, That's women want case, sex more. Yeah. I mean, men, generally speaking, men like to chase. Um, and then when they've got that pussy, when they've got their satisfaction, they're kind of done. But it's the opposite way around. Women tend to want sex more when they're feeling more comfortable within a relationship. And yes. so like the dynamic switches. Um, yeah. I wanted to bring up fake doms. That's been like a huge one where a lot of us, especially a lot of us submissive women, um, enjoy the idea of a really fierce, scary dom. And we have to be so fucking careful to make sure that we're spotting the fake doms, to make sure that we're avoiding red flags because red flags can be 
they they can almost be like fake turn-ons you know like oh wow he's being horrible to me therefore he's being very dominant and and you know he make he calls the shots and therefore he's a good dom and that's so twisted um yeah. like be dot a, a good dominant a, a person and this includes not just men we're talking about women we're talking about all genders a, someone who's a good dom slash mistress will always make sure that they verbalize and vocalize limits and rules and talk about the sessions and talk about the scenes and not just slip into it immediately and assume everything that you want is right it's like yes mm-hmm. i get it i know that we want the person that we're turned on by to like we don't want to have to explain what we want we want them to just know but that's really dangerous when you're playing with th- with power and power dynamics um and it's the same with dominance mistresses whoever are working with submissives who says i don't have any limits you can do whatever you want to me that is a red fucking flag and you need to be so careful of that situation you need to make sure that they do have limits. If they're saying no limits, then they are putting their hands and potential trauma and they're leaving leaving it all up to you. And that's so fucking dangerous. You need to, if you ever talk to a submissive, they need to have limits. They need to have boundaries. It's fine if you reach that boundary and that limit and, you, and they feel comfortable enough to cross it. That's fair enough. But you need to have that conversation mm. beforehand. Um yeah, that one that one blows me away, especially as a sex worker. And I've done it. I, you know, I've done domination sessions before, coming in pretending that I fucking know what I'm doing. Yeah, you're just gonna enjoy this ball busting. I'm gonna hurt you. I'm gonna do this. Walked out and not given that person any aftercare. Not looked after that person. Not checked in with them a few days later, and then regretted it because it's hurt them. It's hurt them as a person, and that's my responsibility as somebody who's a mistress or somebody who's a dominatrix to make sure that they are okay uh, emotionally, physically, every step of the way. It might ruin the fantasy for a lot of people, but it's so important because then you know you're doing the right thing. Oh yeah, I've uh, I've gotten into like some of the kink and fetish TikToks and mm-hmm. some of the comments are wild of like, my dom um, as a punishment, like, took away my safe word i'm like girl get out get out yeah it was awful yeah and also just a little comment on the dick size Mm -hmm. the biggest dicks i've ever had have always been the laziest really (laughs) you know what yeah you're right laziest because they don't really they, they haven't really learned that they need to try you know, yeah, exactly. They're like, I got a big dick. My job is done. Yeah. <laughs> so not true. Yeah. It's crazy. Everyone needs to try. <laughs> I mean, it's worth giving it a go until you, yeah. But then it's also, I feel like a lot of people shit on big dicks as well. It's like a whole fucking balancing act. A lot of guys that have giant porn star cocks are like, I can't fuck the person that I'm in love with because they can't take my dick. This sucks. It's not that is fun really sad. Yeah. It's yeah, I definitely like the analogy you Lube. made about like the key and hole analogy. Yeah. Like, so true. Like that, yeah, that big dick definitely like an ex-partner of mine was um a male escort and he had a very, very large penis. And there were a lot of positions that I personally couldn't do because I was just like, there's just no like it just hurt. It doesn't even feel good. And usually I Yeah. I'm learning, I'm trying to unlearn to just go with everything in bed because it makes me a good partner and to be like, hey, you know, this doesn't feel good for me and not think yes. they're going to go find someone else tomorrow that loves it. Do you know what I mean? Like I need, I'm, I'm working on that myself. Yeah. Like the people pleasing that we do. 
just like, yeah, I'll take it. Wow, that feels great. And you're like, no, it fucking doesn't. Like, why can't we say that? Exactly. I think I spent a lot of my 20s being uh, doing very much performative sex mm-hmm. and thinking that would like the guy would like me more if I was like always up for everything and enjoyed everything. Um, but I'm like, yeah. maybe I want to enjoy sex a little more. So maybe I don't like that. And I want to do it this way. Or, but that back then, I was in my early 20s and I was like, yeah, sure. And then I was like, this oh never God. feels good. Then he got a wife afterwards and we talked about it. And I was like, you know, how's the sex? Because, you know, whatever. <laughs> I have no hold barred in most conversations. And yeah, he was like, oh yeah, she loves this position. I know that one hurt you, but like, I think she has like a, a deeper whatever. And it wasn't even a way like, oh, she can do it. It was, just, it, he was very knowledgeable and, and very like mm. progressive in that sense where he understood like, you know, it just didn't work for the depth of your whatever, mm. you know, X, Y, and Z. So um, yeah, there definitely is that locking key. So like, yeah, big dicks can be absolutely great for some people. Small dicks can feel really good, thick, whatever, long. Mm. Yeah, it's really that locking key analogy. I think it's just, you really hit on the head with that one. Yeah. It's still like really hard to communicate with partners what you do find pleasurable and what works for you both. I think it's always a learning experience with every single new partner that you have. I definitely still struggle with it today because I like you have to kind of figure out what the best communication style is for each person that you do come into contact with because everyone communicates in such a different way. Everyone has very different egos when it comes to sex and their life. And sometimes... I I know that I get scared sometimes to like hurt the male ego or make them feel Mm -hmm. some kind of way because I don't want to then traumatize them so that they can't get hard. And guys have problems sometimes when it comes down that like to, to like having a hard dick all the time. And I guess that's another one of those like myths that guys are always, always hard and sometimes communicating you just have to make sure you're doing it in the right way and be encouraging rather than you're doing this wrong Mm, and and communication is you know we talk a lot about communication but communication doesn't really mean anything if you're not emotionally aware or emotionally intelligent about what you want and what you need and that can be you know you could be I mean me and my ex we communicated all the time but he wasn't really honest with himself. So as much as he was communicating with me, um, especially when I was talking about sex work and the non-monogamy side of our relationship, and he was like, yeah, yeah, I'm cool with it, I'm cool with it. But he wasn't aware himself that he wasn't cool with it and therefore couldn't communicate that. Um, Communication isn't just about verbalization. It's also, you know, body language. It's also listening to the other person. It's it's hearing their moans. It's, It's kind of almost predicting their move before they might even know sometimes you have to ask them directly or even put words in their mouths they even know how to communicate especially with guys because they haven't been encouraged to talk about shit like we have Mm. as women it's very much encouraged with us um and so it's almost like guiding them through the communication okay well uh, I know you say you don't know how you feel about this, but does it do? Is it something like this? Is does this make more of sense? Like use hypotheticals. I mean, I, I feel like I have mm. to do that with all my relationships. Um, I wanted to mention about the whole taking away safe words, and that that can be used in play. That can that that can be a really fun aspect of play when you say no safe words. Like that's play that I fantasize about, but I would not use it as a punishment, and I would only do that with somebody 
if they were, if you knew them wholeheartedly, if you knew exactly what was okay and what wasn't okay. Not as, I mean, it's very possible that this comment, this person who commented, he took away my safe word, maybe they had that relationship where it was okay, but because she's written it on a comment and nobody knows what their relationship's actually not like or that how much time and effort they've put into learning what's okay and what's not okay, other people are going to read that and think, oh, yeah, I can fucking do that with anyone. Yeah, I'll just have a one-night stand and be like, well, as punishment, I'm taking away your safe word. And then, then trauma and then sadness and fucked up shit happens. And then we still don't talk about it because we're scared to. One of the things, like, when I do my lap dance workshops, I'm always like, oh, fake it till you make it. Like, they don't – as long as you act sexy, people will believe you're sexy, right? Um, yeah. But mm-hmm. the BDSM community is definitely a situation where don't fake it till you make it. Like, do your due diligence. Actually learn how to be a proper dom um, 100%. I guess that – yeah. And I guess that says an ode to, like, where does one learn this? Because porn isn't it. Oh, like, yeah. mm. you know, p- most people watch free porn – that porn isn't going to go over like what are your safe words x y and z it doesn't make that part of the uh the play and so unless you're like really digging in and even then like I couldn't tell you really um how to learn that sort of thing without you know what I guess you could go to like fetish um fetish things in your community but you know as someone just starting to learn that can be really intimidating Mm -hmm. so I don't know do you guys have any good resources of like how one would learn that ethically there's not really a site that I can be like yes go to this place unless you're going to porn sites where you know ethical educational porn is being shown um there must be so much misinformation out on the internet as well so like if you do search for like tutorials and stuff you can never vouch like for the credibility of who's talking on the internet like even if we made a video and it was like this is the safe way to do this like we're not medical practitioners we're not professionals no one's got like credible um credible is that word credible (laughs) so like qualifications for being like the no in Mm. king but even then it's not necessarily about those qualifications it's about you and that person in that Mm. moment specifically because that could change next week that could change from person to person um it's about it's all it is is learning how to communicate and doing it in the right way um yeah. and and there are ways that you can make communication sexy but it's it's so hard it's talk, talking to other people it's doing your research you know put the time and effort in to learn how to communicate to you know to learn how to be a good dom and to check up check on people's signs like the the more open and honest you are with another person the easier it is like communicating is hard but the more you do it it's like learning a skill the easier it gets Mm. I've learned most I think about kink from partners that are into that world and that they've been the ones that tell me about safe words and like introduce me to new things as well but I guess it really depends on who you're meeting and the information that you're getting and where where did they learn it really but I guess kink friendly spaces are a really good space to start because if you know if there's an organization if there's if it's owned by people that have been in the scene for a really long time, you you kind of would hope that 
they would have the resources to be able to teach people in a good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely always recommend, regardless of what avenue of sex work, anyone who wants to get into sex work to hire a sex worker in that field. One, giving back to the community that you want to be a part of. And also, like, these people have learned – they've worked hard to learn the skills they have. Yeah. Um, so showing that respect to the community by seeking knowledge from actual sex workers – um, I think yes. is a huge, at least a starting point. Um, so if you are interested in doming, either, you know, hiring a dom to dom you or asking them if they could like go through a session with you, um, maybe not you as a sub, but kind of walking mm. through how they would do a session um, and maybe even going to multiple doms just because everyone has their own style, their own knowledge on things. Um, but I think definitely anyone that wants to get into the sex work community, um, showing that respect to the community is huge. So, yeah. yeah, I think we we know um someone called Madam Storm who just I'm pretty sure she does mistress training courses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on in in the UK in London, um she's an amazing mistress dominatrix and she she does mistress training. Um, you know, like find people. There will be people in your cities, in your countries that you can get that information from. Um, and there, there will be out there it's just again take it with a pinch of salt and try and keep an open mind because even if you're learning from them make sure that you're not you know they, they might do something that's also not right that's also not correct like I fear about you know mm. you go and buy a, a male dom and it's like well where's he learned his information from um and is he being as understanding like does he know all the clued in stuff is he communicating properly or is he just another fucking fake dom taking a buck and pretending that he's gonna teach you know it's it's hard to tell but you you have to you have to follow you your gut and if it if it's out if there are red flags again learning about red flags how long has it taken all of us to learn red flags Mm -hmm. to spot somebody that's going to be toxic or potentially dangerous before we even get there especially when you want to read between the lines or you get caught up in the fantasy or you don't think it's actually happening until it's too late and then you look back like oh fuck then that does take time and and um and practice um and I think with with the age we are now, we have a lot more knowledge. Like I fear for sex workers or for young people going into the BDSM scene and kind of starting out. You just have to make sure you're with someone who's very willing to teach you everything without judgment and like doesn't question you either. Or if you question them, why are you doing that? Then they they want to look into it, too. They want to understand. Do the research, basically. I think we need a phrase, you know, when people say like, when there's like, unquote, quotes, photographer who's a total creep and has no talent and we call him guy with a camera. We need like a phrase for like doms who aren't real doms that just want to like abuse people. Like a guy with a camera adjacent phrase. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, they used to be such a great resource um, for like having this community for the blacklist and that was Backpage, right? But then that got taken down when foster sesta happened oh, right like, yeah everyone lost all that information about bad clients people not see and like all of that information that kept sex workers safe was suddenly gone mm-hmm. um which was really really devastating yeah that's one thing we constantly encourage like i created a blacklist group for the um individuals here in vancouver area mm-hmm. um and there's like 100 and something people in it and it's just a bunch of 
women that I know in the industry and we kind of just put things in there where we've had bad dates or bad gigs um, where safety was a concern. And um, unfortunately, like a lot of things in sex work, a lot of it falls on sex workers to protect themselves, to educate themselves, to, yeah. you know, X, Y, and Z. So um, it was a shame when, when Backpage went and, um, you know, all the things on the internet, every time you post something that's taken down, even if it's educational or, you know, for mm-hmm. safety reasons. So um, we definitely encourage you to do that yourself if you can to create your own group of people in the industry to start sharing that information to protect others so Mm -hmm. um i would like to petition for a guy with a crop to be the guy with the camera oh my god (laughs) oh that's fun <laughs> toxic doms i don't like them no yeah, i've fallen into really. that trap before as well i feel like if you feel uncomfortable then you, then that's a red flag you gotta get out of that situation you know if you if really do have to trust your right, gut yeah yeah mm-hmm. she it's, knows your it's gut like knows. even just like lightly if they're if they, if they suddenly start calling you like names like slur or like even baby girl or anything without you saying explicitly that that was okay if they haven't asked you, then it's like, oh, all right, okay, tread lightly here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that comes back to, like, communication. Like, with my partner, I'll be like, oh, do you – like, in, like, a casual setting, we'll be out for dinner or something. I'm like, hey, do you like when, like – I'm thinking about this. Do you like when I do this in bed or would you want me to try this in bed or yeah. maybe we could do this? And, and it makes him very uncomfortable because it's such, like, a bedroom talk stays in the bedroom for yeah. some reason. We tell society where it's like, no, we can have – we can have this talk over our Italian dinner. <laughs> like, you know, like, let's get weird. You want me yeah. to fix your asshole later? Like, and that's like, <laughs> you know, and that's kind of, those talks do have to happen because, yeah, in the moment, people might say they want something and then, you know, they don't and then there's kind of trauma there. So when you are mm-hmm. clear-headed and you can be like, oh, I'd be interested in that or I do want you to call me baby girl next time or I don't really like when yeah. you say that. Um, I'd love to see that become more um, commonplace that people are having these conversations in the daylight you know <laughs> definitely yeah. out of this that. out of the bedroom setting maybe not necessarily a restaurant in case like he just doesn't understand or can't listen properly but definitely outside of the bedroom not just before you have sex not just during not just after but in a nice comfortable setting where you are just having a sex debrief i think that yeah, yeah. it's so important it it does change. normalizing it yeah normalize it it makes sex so much better also communicating those sort of things during sex is so okay as well I had like something that I wanted to mention happened to me the other night where I was giving someone head and he wanted me to kind of like go down so it was like almost close to gagging and he was pushing my head down but he said before he did that he was like if it's too much just double tap me and I immediately felt so safe in that moment and I did have to double tap and it was like it was all good but so you can you know don't feel scared to say those kind of consensual things and communicate that during the moment don't just go into it and push someone's head down on your dick without saying you can tap out yeah Mm -hmm. say it louder for the people in the back (laughs) yeah (laughs) so reed you've been in the sex industry for about 10 years and also florence it sounds like you've been in the sex industry too Mm -hmm. um what I can gather, you've both done um, some porn directing, camming, and OnlyFans. Um, how did you both get started in sex work, and what are all the avenues you've been in? Yeah, oh, that's a 
That's a big one. Um, I mean, I started while I was at university and I fucking hated uni. I hated it so much. I did television production. Um, and there there was like a, a module where we had to do work experience. And I, I'd done work experience before, but I actually chose to do work experience with a porn company. And the, my university fucking hated it. They were outraged. <laughs> they were like, we are not accepting this. The only way we would accept this is if you write a big long essay explaining how this is appropriate, all this bullshit. I'm dyslexic, so writing essays are like my absolute nightmare. And I was fucked off about that. In the, anyway, I ended up doing work experience with the BBC, which was just so not my thing. It made me realize that I did not want to go in that area. Um, and from there, I ended up just putting my foot in the doorway, getting into the porn industry, making those contacts, doing a lot of free work, actually. I did a lot of free work, which um, I think when you do a practical subject like videography camera like unfortunately when you start out work experience is important because you want to make a name for yourself and make those contacts there comes a point where free work is not acceptable anymore it's not okay you know know your worth um and kind of just yeah fell into it there and, and dabbled in and out and ended up working for MindGeek, which own you know, it's one of the biggest porn companies out there that own Mofos, Fake Taxi, Brazzers, um, all the big fucking names. And I was part on set working for them, uh, shooting. I was more on the production side of things. So doing everything from like script writing to camera operating, editor. Um, I was also extra a lot, like, you know, like a little extra. I was always like the wife of the guy who was fucking my husband. I don't know, some shit like that. It was always playing that role. Um, and I loved it, but it was not consistent income. So started with the webcamming and actually felt less shit. Like I was very lucky. Um, my mental health was really awful at that time. I had a severe obsessive compulsive disorder, um, severe anxiety I couldn't leave the house I could barely eat I could not look after myself I was not well and depression um and being able to have something like webcamming to fall back onto when I couldn't leave the house was was empowering was was something that honestly saved me especially when the government over here wouldn't help me with benefits um, because I was living with my partner at the time so they were like, oh, no, he can support you. It's like, no, he fucking can't. He's only earning a tiny amount as well. Anyway, so, yeah, that that was how things started for me. And I've kind of done everything. Of My main my main job was, like, the the cool girl. I don't know if you have this over in the States. Is It's like you go onto an adult channel, and it's all these girls, like, shaking their phone, like, call me, call me. Yeah, so I, I was a phone shaker. Um, I started working in their office doing all their social media and then I was there uh, at night time shaking my phone being like fucking call me yes mm. oh, like I loved it <laughs> um, we had I don't know if we have those anymore but we used to have them I always tell this story this was like my kind of like sexual awakening to realize how much I preferred women um I um remember my family didn't have like cable or anything like that so we had like bunny ears or like antennas on our tv so, like, late at night, I'd, like, sneak downstairs to the TV room and I'd, like, fuck around with the bunny ears and get to the channel where, like, late at night, the girls would be, like, lying on a bed with, like, their, like, house phone, obviously, because yeah. no one had cell phones. And they'd be, like, call this number to talk to Amber now or whatever. And, like, 
And then you'd be, then she's like, oh, I'm waiting for your call. <laughs> and I was like, yes. They still do that. They still do that now over in the UK. They have big channels. Like Babe Station is one of the biggest ones over here. Like everyone knows Babe Station this side. Yeah. Um, it's kind of mad that still exists when you really think about it. When it's when it's it comes mad. to like, you know, there's OnlyFans, there's the internet, there's live web coming online. The fact that it's still on TV is wild. Mm, and it yeah. must cost yeah. a fucking packet because it's TV. It's having your own channel. Um, I think back in the day, I mean, put it this way. If Ofcom, so Ofcom is like the people that overrun and look at all TV and if there's a complaint they're the ones that basically dish out the fines a company could be fined if there was something bad out on TV because again public can still see it they could be fined up to one million pounds just for doing something naughty like um there was Whoa. a company called Bluebird that that very fine happened and they the whole company went bust because oh, I can't remember what it was like maybe they got caught fucking on TV something like that and <laughs> they fucking went bust yeah it's crazy oh wow all right Florence just before we get into your sex work origin story I have a follow-up question for you Reed. <laughs> tell me about the script writing for porn like do you guys just <laughs> sit in a room you're like the fuck could we do <laughs> like, <laughs> she, and she gets stuck in the dryer <laughs> Oh, I mean, it, it is literally like that. It is just thinking of ridiculous stories. I mean, most of the stuff that I wanted to script right, I couldn't because it's quite niche. So you are going for very generic, like stepmom falls into a, yeah, the, the washing machine, then gets fucked by a stepson or... Um, <laughs> it's just it's all the stereotypical ones like that and you're kind of just thinking uh, I mean it's it's a cyclical circle isn't it it's like you're perpetuating this like ridiculous fantasy style but also you're filling the need of the majority of the people that watch porn so um mm. it is all the stereotypes for sure I mean I fucking love the stereo you know I love like schoolgirl teacher I love all the weird power play stuff. I fucking love like the incest stuff as well. You know, give me the stepmom, the step son, shit, whatever. Like let's <laughs> pretend there's a step in front of there, losers. <laughs> but it's it is just the generic script writing. You're just sitting in your office typing it out. Um, but yeah, I would like to would like to create better scripts now rather than just the generic shit that men like. Yeah. Yeah. We uh we had a porn star on episode eighty five, Lindsay Ryder, and she was telling us about the most like wild uh things she's been a part of, and uh, it was one about uh, she was wondering why her like burger was taking so long to get like ready, <laughs> and then she like ended up I don't know fucking all the line cooks or something like that. Oh and I was like, who God, comes up with this? And it's you. Yes, <laughs> yes. guilty as charged. Oh yeah. God. It's just, uh, some of this shit is just so dumb as well. Yeah, it is, it's mad. Fun though. Yeah, very yeah. fun. Very ridiculous. Love to hate it, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Guilty pleasure. All right, Florence, you want to get us into your uh, your sex work origin story and your avenues? 
Yeah, so it kind of started at university for me as well, although I wasn't going straight out onto porn sets for work experience. I was doing a fine art moving image degree, which is probably like one of the most pretentious degrees (laughs) that you could ever do. And I used to watch so much like art house cinema. And in a lot of art house cinema, they do have quite graphic sex scenes. And I think every time I saw a sex scene on camera, I was like, wow, this is so great. I just want it to go on for a little bit longer. And I want to be able to explore that. So that's kind of like where the kind of interest in porn and sex on camera kind of ignited for me. And after university, I just decided that I wanted to be a feminist porn director. And I started kind of researching into like erotic novels and seeing like how I could create my own stories. Um, And it kind of got to a point where I was working in a pub in my hometown and I was like, just need to go out and live this porn dream but Mm -hmm. how do I get experience to start filming my own stuff like how do I get the funding how do I get experience I'd never filmed anyone having sex before I hadn't made a sex tape myself or anything so I did some research into kind of like how I could get myself onto a porn set and I found a very dodgy company the one that I met Reed at (laughs) in London um, and started the I guess the exploration into filming people having sex and even though it was a very dodgy company at least I met Reed there and you know it was it was dipping my toes into the sex workspace um and even though that didn't work out in, at that company because it just ended up being extremely dodgy we actually did a podcast episode on it Mm -hmm. Uh, last year at some point about our origin story so if you want to know more about the dodgy little company go and find that episode Um, but at one point I left that job and it put me in a place where I had just moved to London I didn't have any income coming in and our other flatmate was a sex worker she was an escort and she webcammed and I think she might have suggested one night like oh why don't you try out webcamming and I think we both tried it out together Mm -hmm. for the first time had some wine and all did it together in the living room and I was like you know what this is actually really fun and there was such like a thrill of being able to earn money for just sitting there in your lingerie and kind of, and I found it really empowering as well. Cause I think I was at a point in my life where I wasn't that comfortable in my body or my sexuality yet. Like I knew that I had this huge interest in sex, but I didn't really know what it meant to me yet. So it was a way of me exploring um, what turned me on as well. And webcamming really did turn me on. And I mean, there were good points and bad points about webcamming. I feel like the nights where you're there and like there's just hardly anyone coming into your room and you're just lying in bed, like waiting. And that kind of sucked. But it gave me such like financial security during that time. And it was small amounts of money, you know, like we didn't have a name for ourselves yet. So it was it was small, but it was something. And mm-hmm. when I finally got... um a job in London it was still so badly paid and it was in the film and tv industry I was like a camera technician so I was camera technician by day sex worker by night (laughs) (laughs) and um I only stopped webcamming when I got a 
boyfriend and he wasn't okay with it mm-hmm. and I'd kind of just I've kind it's it's annoying because I kind of wish that I hadn't stopped for him but it ha- it kind of just so coincided with a point where I'd been doing it for over a year and I was a little bit bored of it anyway so I was like eh I could give it up you know like I've just started earning a little bit more money uh, as a camera technician and you know I kind of gave it up but then and then the next time I dabbled in it was um COVID times and when OnlyFans was popping off and I was like I'm finding it hard to earn money right now and to support myself. So I was like, well, I've done this before. It's kind of the same thing as webcamming. Mm-hmm. So I sort of, yeah, I just started it up again and reignited my love for kind of empowering myself through sex work. And that's that's it, really. That's awesome. Um, did you guys have, I think it's called like Taboo Film Fest or something? No, and, but it uh... rings a bell. It's like a, I don't want to say amateur because like some of the stuff that is filmed is like beautiful, but it's like a, you just submit your own porn films and it's like run, like we watch it in a theater called the Rio Mm. and it's just like a bunch of, there's like usually a theme. You could like hide something in the film and then yeah, people who like vote on their favorites of like artistic or funny or, you know, Mm. you have like a little voting chat after and it sounds like it would be super up your alley um with kind of being like in the artsy sort of area as well I was just wondering if you'd ever done that no I haven't but that sounds amazing no that does sound good we have like a couple of porn film festivals but a lot of them are over in Germany like Berlin Berlin yeah yeah (laughs) where sex is good (laughs) yes yeah yeah Yeah. so do you what have been kind of your favorite avenues for the both of you for uh working in sex work I've really loved OnlyFans. I have found it just, webcamming was great, but there's something about OnlyFans that just feels more user-friendly and you can put things up in your own time. There's never like, oh, I've got to be online at this specific time to get more clients. You know, you, you, you have the ability to control your own schedule with it and you can put up basically everything. Like, you know, you're, you're taking nudes for a guy that you're seeing and then you can just upload it there as well. So I just feel that there's so much flexibility with it and such potential as well. Mm. Yeah, I've, I found that OnlyFans has just had such a nicer audience. They're more respectful. Um, there's still a lot of assumption there. Like, oh, if mm. I'm paying for the service, then I can send you my dick pic without answer, asking, um, which is still not really okay. But um, it's like we're still learning that that's not okay. Um, And you also want to not piss anyone off because you don't want them to not pay. But there are limits, you know, if if there's any sort of rudeness. Um, Yeah, OnlyFans has been very good. It's been very sort of like user friendly. It's a very, I don't want to like fucking suck off OnlyFans because they're still a big giant company and there's still a lot of that's fucked up with them and wrong. But in terms of companies that I've worked for or worked with, they have been the best. Um, uh, there have been, like, I, I once worked for a company that still owe me five grand. Like, there's still that horrible, you're alone when you're working self-employed. And then on top of that, if you're doing pornography, mm. nobody is there to help you. Um, people kind of just look at it as like, oh, you deserve this. Like, this is your punishment for wanting to work in that area and it's like 
I have a lot of trauma left still from working for that company and working for this horrible, horrible woman. Um, and I'm owed, mm. I'm owed five grand from them, the little shit bags. Wait, what was the question? Was it? It was supposed to be something nice, wasn't it? What's <laughs> yeah, your favorite avenue? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but go I, off. <laughs> I did. I did really enjoy shaking my phone, and because that was something, it was fun, and I was good at it. Um, but I just found that the company I was working for just wasn't enough for me. It was, they took too much money and I felt like it was too exploitative and they still don't even realize how exploitative it was. I, mean, I had I had some of my best years working for that company. I got to go in, go on like incredible shoots, like photo shoots, like around the world and have a lot of fun. But I'm very much happier working for myself and OnlyFans has given that ability to work for yourself. I think back in the day, we had something called adult work. Um, mm. I don't know if you use that over in the US. It's, it was the UK's biggest platform for uh, sex work. So everything from webcamming to like actual meetup services. And that was a great platform, but it was just stuck in the 90s. It was like the shittest website, the shittest creation you've ever used it was complicated and confusing and a maze um so yeah when only fans came out it was like oh okay this makes way more sense they've done they've done the right thing there mm-hmm. cutting out the middleman basically yeah even though they still take 20 percent of all my hard earnings um fuck you very much yeah, fuck <laughs> we've also directed porn films and i feel like that's still that is an avenue of sex work as well and mm-hmm. i know that like I don't know, the days that we were shooting, we did like these educational films together because it was kind of like in collab with uh, Come Curious. Mm -hmm. So we did tips and tricks for sucking dicks and tips and tricks for licking clits. And those two days of shooting were some of my favorite ever days. They was, it was just such like a, yeah, it was such a weirdly like a family atmosphere. Like everyone just felt, it was so comfortable, so relaxed and like, yeah, just, because just we an fucking amazing made it. experience. We made it like that. We weren't this big, horrible production company telling women to come in and basically watching them getting fucked and they had no say. You know, we made the space a really friendly and welcoming and lovely space. You know, we we made sure that the, the performers met each other beforehand and that they got on with each other. And anytime anyone was uncomfortable, we, we created that space for them to talk to us about it. It mm-hmm. wasn't like, you're here to do a job and you need to do what we say it was very much like we would like for this to happen but if you don't feel comfortable with this happening it doesn't have to go that way you know it was if you can have an orgasm that's amazing but we want to try and make it as real as possible so if you don't have an orgasm that's also okay it's not this whole overinflated everything's obsessed with the male ejaculation pop shot it was it was mm-hmm. a very nice community um and we were very I think we we picked out the people we wanted to work with for that very reason. I think it's yeah. so fucking dangerous where you get all these. It's not even just like porn companies anymore, right? It's any any dickhead with a phone can be a porn director now. And that can be scary. That can be dangerous because they might not know how to make you feel comfortable on set. And you need mm. to feel comfortable on set. It's like that weird power dynamic, right? You're going to go into something and they're like, uh, oh yeah so if you could do the anal scene now and you're sitting there like no one discussed anal like I, I don't want to fucking do an anal scene but because there's a whole crew there and because you're really lucky and you got this job and you're like okay we'll do the anal scene or you do something you don't want to do because you're scared if you're like 
sorry, I, I just remember working for these companies and something happened where the girl, she bled, which is normal, where he just threw a little hissy fit and he was like, she's bleeding, I don't want to do this anymore. And she felt so awful. She was mortified and like ran to the bathroom and tried to sort herself out and everyone else is standing around like, oh my God, I can't believe this. She's bleeding, all this. Like, and he's throwing, it, it was like ridiculous. And you're just like, this is gonna happen. You didn't use lube. What do you expect? That she's a fucking like machine and doesn't have normal, it could have been around her cycle. Oh, you've just fucking ripped her open. And there was no sort of like, hey, it's cool. It's calm. Let's just go sort each other out. It was just, uh, it just turned to this big thing. And I was just sat there awkwardly watching this whole mess, like not understanding why it felt so awful. And that's what especially male-led companies need to sort the fuck out. If you're doing porn, you need to be clued the fuck in on what happens on set. And like shit will happen. You might poo if there's an anal scene and that's okay. You don't need to throw like, oh, you didn't fucking douche. You're not a professional. It's like shit happens. Oh, literally. Sorry. I said that. <laughs> it slipped out. It was so different, wasn't it? When we went to Erica Lust's set in Barcelona for the yeah. first time. And it was basically Love all her. women, all women on the set, like nice organic vegan food yeah. for lunch. And it was just this, it was a family vibe again and it was family just vibe. we were both so blown away by the professionalism the comfortability yeah it was it was so incredible and that's what film sets need to be like yeah, yeah. not to mention her porn is literally art like it's so beautifully yes. shot the storylines are insane um yeah, really are. switching gears a bit florence you have another podcast called how to heal a heartbreak how did that yeah. podcast come to be? And was there an event that kind of like began it all or? Was yeah. there? <laughs> was, where was there? Yeah, I kind of, I fell into at the beginning of the pandemic into a very deep relationship. And it was like the best sex that I've ever had in my life. Like the, the most connected I've ever been with another human being. And when it kind of went sour because of commitment issues on his side, um, I fell into, it was weird because I'd actually broken up with um, a four and a half year relationship the previous year and didn't feel heartbroken afterwards. So this time I, I guess I felt heartbreak for the first time in my life and suddenly realized how much of a painful experience that was. I, I didn't know the pain that it could be. And I guess for my own healing journey, I just, I was sitting um, in a park one day, just feeling so terrible and I was journaling and I just suddenly thought, what if I made this experience into a situation that could help me and help other people that are going through this same thing? Um, so, yeah, I came up with this concept to make a short series podcast of how to heal a heartbreak. And it was me talking to different professionals around different spaces to get healing advice, basically. Um, and everyone gave very, very different tips and advice. And yeah, that was that was the sort of premise for the podcast was me just being so heartbroken and wanting to help other people that were also feeling the same way as me. And I've actually reinvented that whole podcast now. It was a short series and then 
we actually <laughs> ended up getting back together and then breaking <laughs> up again like seven months later <laughs> a whirlwind <laughs> yeah it's such a whirlwind and then I was like where what the, this conversation is still prevalent so I just I ended up turning it into a podcast called love high which is not only about helping people through breakups but helping people connect with themselves self to self-discovery uh being better in their relationships that they do have um, so it's a wider conversation from just the heartbreak stuff now but the amount of cute messages that I got from that heartbreak podcast was so so sweet so many people just being like oh my god I went through exactly the same thing and this really really helped me hearing your experience and then obviously the advice that people had been giving me was yeah it was really valuable was there any particular um, advice that you found really helpful to you that the listeners can mm. steal from you? Yeah, there was one episode with a sex and relationships therapist called Mike Lusada, and he he said a lot about being there for your inner child and that basically the stuff that you're feeling when you are heartbroken is a lot of the time trauma from when when you were a kid, whether it was being abandoned or getting rejected and stuff like that. Um, so he, he says something about kind of sitting down with your child self and figuring out what they need in that moment and, you know, give the child self like a hug and be there for them. And that really hit me deep in that moment. On the podcast, I like almost cried because I was just like, I can see my vulnerable little child self in this moment, just crying and needing a hug and needing attention. Um, and then kind of, you know, visualizing that as well was really, really powerful. I think it was a really good, good place to start. And if anyone does want to listen to an episode, I would say that was the most helpful episode. He's great. Yeah. Enough to keep seeing him as a therapist. Yeah, I don't know whether I like... I don't really say that he's my therapist. Well, I don't know why. He's fucking... He's some good <laughs> shit. He said some good stuff to you. He's changed yeah. your life, girl. Yeah, still my therapist today. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's crazy how much our childhood impacts our adulthood. Like, it seems like such a no-brainer. But then when you look back, you're like, oh, shit, that connection makes sense. Um, Ryan and I have been talking about attachment theory and um yes. I read attached and then um recently yeah. read polysecure and just mm. yeah the links between childhood attachment or childhood trauma and how it manifests in our adulthood of what we need and what we avoid and you know the anxieties that come up and it's really cool to see that yeah. kind of um pathway to things and how we can hopefully fix or heal it um, but also kind of terrifying when you think about having your own children. You're like, I'm going to fuck up these little things. Like, I'm going to fuck up oh. these little kids. Like, oh, fuck. Like, no, I'm terrified. <laughs> I think already we're we're one step ahead of our, our parents, our grandparents, just by being open to the idea of therapy and all of these. Like, we understand more why we feel the way that we do and and we're we're excited and we're eager to explore them, I think a lot of where they've gone wrong, our parents and, and our generations before us, is by thinking they've got it all right and by being too afraid to ask and learn more. Um, and it's very much like a stiff upper lip, like you don't talk about your problems type situation. And now it's like, wait, you don't go to therapy? That's crazy. And you want to have kids and you don't go to therapy? What the fuck? Like, 
okay, RIP on your soul, you know? It's like we're living in an age where therapy is so valuable. Um, and if you want to bring up your kids in the right way, you'll be welcome to it. You'll just be like, fuck yeah, I want to learn more about me and why I act and feel the way that I do. Yeah. Definitely. I actually listened to a weird weirdly listen to a podcast um on mind valley they have some really amazing talks on there and one of them was about like conscious parenting mm. and being very aware of all of those things that do affect people in later life so you know there's so there's so much resource out there now yeah I feel like the we've pods. all got yeah we've got a good chance if we ever have kids we've got a good chance of not fucking them up as much as we got fucked up yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, Florence, you better believe that we want the hot off the press update. So this guy that came and went, he's gone again, it sounds like. How is your yeah, love life yeah. looking now? Are you in a relationship, just having great casual sex? You're deep-throating or trying to deep-throat someone <laughs> recently. <laughs> you tapped out, but good effort. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's been, it's been like a bit, it's been a long experience, I think, since that um break up and you know what I'm still healing from it and I'm kind of in a space where I'm having to accept that nine months after we have broken up officially it is still hard and I do still think about him he was my best friend but it's you know it's a journey healing is a journey and I've been through like various different situations with people when I was out in LA for three months I was seeing a few different people a poly guy and then I was like you know what I'll take a break I'm gonna stop seeing people and like just have some time for myself and only recently I've had a an experience where I feel like I connected with someone on a really deep level again for the first time since my ex and it's been it's been a good learning experience it's been fun um I think what I'm discovering is that it's not necessarily what I want in terms of like a long-term thing. Um, but it's also trying to embrace short-term relationships and what you can learn from them. But yeah, so I'm, I'm having, have been having some good sex again, which, which is good, but it's, yeah, it's always a bit of an up and down thing with these <laughs> connections, mm -hmm. as we all know, there's good bits and bad bits as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I think there's always, I mean, even when you're in a relationship, I feel like there's always um, ups and downs in it. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, Reed, you're currently in a relationship as well? Is that I am, yes. Correct, yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, how does that look or how has that been? So, I'm with this lovely boy called Sam. Um, it's been hugely learning because it's, I, before I was with him, I was in a long relationship. It was seven years of secure attachment style, um, non-monogamous relationship. And, and then I, and then that's changed and I've had to like relearn how to communicate and understand and figure out things, um, it's been a massive experience because uh, while I was with my ex, I sort of really rediscovered my tickle fetish, which was a huge part of my identity and my sexuality. 
um, that was lacking because I repressed it and I was embarrassed and ashamed of it. And then when I became single, I really kicked off with like an absolute filthy hoe phase. And I just wanted to sleep around and really push the fact that I had a tickle fetish. And I wanted to find more people in the community that, you know, I felt really like stunted with a lot of my kinks and fetishes. And I just wanted to find more people in that space. And on my fuckscapades, I ended up bumping into Sam and we fucked and fucked and then fell in love and now we're boyfriend and girlfriend which is lovely um but he's really he's kind of shocked me in and and just like how amazing he has been in bed and like allowed me to be the person I am and been very interested and excited about my sex and my sexuality and exploring all that with me which has been fascinating so now together we are exploring non-monogamy and we're sort of having threesome dates and we're looking into having foursome dates and um yeah going to sex parties and having a lot of fun there so it's just yeah it's just trying to figure all that out it's nice but um (laughs) might I add as much as this relationship is going in the perfect direction a lot of people think it's weird because Sam and I don't live together and I don't think we want to live together Um, I've just bought a house myself and he's looking to buy his house. So we're planning not to move in together. That is the plan. I think there's actually a really um, big benefit to that. I was just listening to Nicole Byer's podcast. um, And I can't remember the individual she had on the name. It was like a comedian. And her and her wife both own different condos and they like sometimes spend night at one spend some time at the other and then sometimes they just will have a nice date night and then go home to their own beds and she's like it's nice like I don't have to no one's touching my things in my home I'm not touching her things in her home we get to have like the fun of going over to each other's houses and having date nights and um they're married and they still don't live at each other's houses also in this economy to own two homes I know, oh, you're winning. Okay, pretty crazy. Thank yeah. you, OnlyFans. <laughs> Thank you, Yes, Hardware. get it, girl. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there are definitely moments where I do wish we lived together, um, but I'm so grateful that we don't just because it's very easy to just pile on the person that you live with. It doesn't even have to be a romantic partner. It could just be a housemate. It could be your family um, about all the shit that you're going through. And then that creates conflict and stresses within the home. So... Um, yeah, there are definitely moments where I'm like, oh, I wish we lived together, but I, I, I think that's just my, you know, my inner insecurities and my loneliness and not living together has forced me to try and get over those issues by myself and be more independent. Um, cause codependency was like a thing. I was fully codependent on my ex for a good few years. So I'm trying to really relearn how to, how to be independent by myself, um, scary as fuck but we're getting there it's it's okay all right and the last question here before we get into our three rapid fires to wrap up speaking of dating sex and all that good stuff when i was on your guys podcast fucks given you asked for my oh fuck moment and i was like what is that <laughs> uh, the, the fuck off story the fuck off story. So we want to hear yours. What is your favorite fuck off moment? Whoever oh, wants to go yeah. first. I have oh. so many though. I just don't know which one to go for. Fuck. 
I always, you know what? We ask this question to so many guests and then when it comes to like yourself, I'm like, I don't actually know what I would say. Uh, I mean, I've got, I've got a few, but I don't know which one would be the most fuck off story. Maybe like when I was like, uh, maybe like 19, I started fucking this married couple that lived three. I was still living at my parents' house, like my mum's house. And I started fucking this much older married couple and I was their sex slave for a good few months. And they lived three roads away from my mum's house. And, you know, I would go over there and we would drink and then they would use me as a sushi table. And then they bought me latex and would go to sex parties together. Um, and that was kind of like my, my young moment. And literally we just, I was selling some stuff outside my mum's house, like doing a little table sale or yard sale. And the um the lady she saw my shoes and then we got talking and then it was like yeah you want to go out for a drink yeah all right let's fuck um and it was yeah that was I guess that was a fuck off story I guess yeah that was that was fine (laughs) I love that yeah I oh my god I I you know what when it comes to this I think this is why I love hearing everyone else's fuck off stories on the podcast because I don't feel like I've actually had that many wild stories in my life I don't think that the sex I have has been I don't think I've had that fuck off moment with any of my sex I've had like I've had romantic moments I've had like Mm -hmm. there's been like nothing that's been so wild I feel like maybe the wildest thing that I ever did was when I was webcamming there was this guy that I always used to chat to and he'd keep coming back and we'd we'd chat for like two hours and at one point he asked me if I would want to like go on a date in real life (laughs) and I was like this probably isn't a good idea but I do want to um so I ended up going on a date with him and he kind of he really like wined and dined me and we ended up I guess seeing each other for a little bit and he was kind of the first person that I explored like kinks and fetishes with and he kind of got kind of BDSM tools involved and like you know whips and flogs and uh restraints and all that and I, I guess it's kind of wild that I did meet someone off the internet in that way and it could have gone like any any way and we we did some like live webcamming together and he was the first person that ever like hit me in the face during sex um and that was when I found that out that that really really turns me on mm. in in a big way and no one else has actually done it since then i I ask every single partner that I ever like have like a proper thing with. I really like it where like if you just like slap me like quite hard in the face, they all try it once and never do it again. (laughs) And like I've been told so many times that they're just like, you're too cute. I can't do it. Like you just look so innocent. Mm. (laughs) Shut up and hit me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, Fuck me up. (laughs) (laughs) With this guy. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's the wild part of it was just meeting meeting him from webcamming and having these like lavish hotel sexual debaucherous weekends together. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it sounds lovely. Yeah, I don't think that's, that's a great story. That's good. Yeah, I don't think it's. I think 
because of the uh, people you're currently surrounded by, you probably are like, that's so vanilla because I'm like, you know, shit on my face. But, <laughs> but yeah, that is, yeah, for the average person, that is a, a, a fuck off story. <laughs> Yeah, you're done good. yeah 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 <laughs> I, need, I need i need some more i need some mm-hmm. more i need like my bucket list needs to be okay create more fuck off stories yeah, <laughs> well sure. that's perfectly leads us into our last three rapid fire questions then and i guess you can go first florence what is one thing on your sexual bucket list that you haven't done yet but want to try oh my god for me that would be scissoring with a woman I've like had this fantasy in my head for so long masturbate vagina on vagina all of the time and yeah so that's definitely something that I want to experience soon I mean we're going to LA pride so who knows baby yeah we're going to LA baby can't wait it's gonna be good my god so (laughs) jealous oh come fly over I will (laughs) Read. What's one thing about yours? What's one thing on sexual backlist that you haven't done yet but want to try? Um, oh, fuck me. Um, I've done pretty much all of it, I think. But maybe, I don't know, be someone's like tickle sex slave for three days. Just be locked up. That'd be nice. I mean, I was just like, oh, yeah, gangbang. Uh, I mean, I don't even think I want a gangbang. I've had like a tickle gangbang kind of thing. I've created a tickle event for people in London, which is fun. Um yeah, I think I think I've done them all. I was gonna say foursome, but like I've had that too. Uh, I don't know. I, I got bare diseases having a foursome in a hot tub. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Whoops! Yeah, no, whoopsie! Sorry, vagina. She okay? She <laughs> bounced back. <laughs> Next question: What is one thing you've tried sexually that you probably wouldn't do again? Uh, that would be for me using ice cubes with a blowjob mm. because. He ended up with dick freeze, you know, brain freeze, but in your dick. And then we definitely did not fuck after that. So oh. that was a failed oh. experiment. <laughs> yeah, that sounds uh, cold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people t- spoke about like hot hot play and like cold play with like ice cubes, like being sensual. So I was like, this is something that people do, right? Apparently not. Yeah, fair. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can't think of something. Um, wouldn't do again. I mean, I've had a lot of like anal accidents, so maybe anal. But even then, I mean, I can't hate on myself. Like, I didn't know. I wasn't prepared. I don't want to douche now either. I'm just like, okay, if an anal accident happens, it happens. Um. So yeah, maybe, oh, you know what? I won't do anal again when I don't want to do it. That's probably the best thing to say. When I'm not prepped mentally to do anal, I won't be doing that shit again. That's a good one. I again, think that no mental prep is definitely just as important as a physical prep uh, for all types mm-hmm. of sex, but specifically for anal, for sure. We, we had a comedian on uh, our, our podcast. Um, and what was his name? We just Zach. had him on. Yeah, Zach... Noe Towers. Noe Towers, yeah. And he described anal as, um, anal's amazing when you're with someone that you're attracted to and that you really love, but anal, if you're not attracted to them, feels like assault. And I was like, that is exactly what my butthole says. So, yeah. That is Mm -hmm. such a good explanation. That's fucking perfect. (laughs) Yeah. 
Like, I love that. All right. And the last one here, and this one always stumps people, but I feel like you ladies will have something to say. If you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? Whoa. There's so much to say. I know. Wow. (laughs) Um, I I guess, like, generically speaking, like, don't judge other people, especially for what they're sexually into. Mm. Um, Take an active interest in learning about things that you don't understand and try... Try not to put your, you know, your mistakes and what you've learned negative. What's the, like, try to, uh, like, what, the things that you've learned shouldn't necessarily, they're not necessarily the truth. So try and just, like, just get a fucking therapist. That would be my biggest thing. Get a therapist and learn about what the fuck your mind is doing. And then that will help you conquer the world. Yeah, I guess I would just try and hype up the world to start talking about sex in general, start talking about bodies, start talking about feelings. And I think with all those things, if you start being open about these things to yourself first and then other people, everyone would lead a much happier life in terms of relationships with their own bodies themselves and other people. Yeah, those are both amazing. And yeah, agree, agree, agree. Can <laughs> we get our Oscar now, please? Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Uh, Miss UK, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, you already are God, so we established that. that. True. Why am I stepping myself down to Miss UK? I'm the God. Miss UK, God. please. <laughs> You're God. <laughs> mm-hmm. Awesome. Before we let you go, Reed and Florence, where can people find you? Amazing. Um, you can find me on pretty much all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, OnlyFans, at ReedAmberX. That's spelled R-E-E-D, Amber X. And I'm at, on Instagram at Florence Bark, on Twitter, Florence underscore Bark. You should have said, did you say OnlyFans as well, Reed? Yeah, fuck yeah. I'm Florence Curious on OnlyFans and obviously you can find our podcast Fucks Given on all podcast platforms we're on YouTube at Come Curious at C-O-M-E Curious and on Instagram Come Curious and on Twitter Come Curious (laughs) trying to think what else and my podcast Love High if you want more juicy details on self-discovery around love and relationships and all of that stuff yeah baby nice Awesome. Thank you so, so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you ladies. You guys are both so inspiring. I fucking love what you guys are doing for the community as a whole. Um, you guys are godsends and keep just doing everything you guys are doing. Oh, thank you. Thank you, you too. You, too. you guys too. It's been such a pleasure and just keep doing the good, good. And I'm sure we'll see each other in the future. Or, or you could, you know, I might let you into the, you know, my gates of heaven. <laughs> Bless. <laughs> mm, yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll only make you do like a few naughty things first. Make me do all the naughty things. <laughs> Riley says I'm not allowed to flirt with our guests anymore. <laughs> She's banned me. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Have a wonderful week and happy whoring. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>